This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I want to jump on in. We need to, um, we need to get going because we still have a lot to cover. And um, I do have a shorter message today, but yeah, it probably won't be shorter. I don't know. So... <laughs> So we'll see. But um, we're, on, um, we're on part number four, uh, talking about seasons, right? And, and just uh, real quick, we're talking about how we, we use Ecclesiastes 3.1 as our key scripture. For everything, there's a season, a time for every matter under heaven. We all go through seasons in life, right? We go through hundreds of seasons in our lives. Things change. Number week one, I gave you three, three facts about seasons. One, seasons bring change. Every season of our life, regardless of what it is, is going to bring change, whether we like it or not. Secondly, seasons bring challenges. Whatever it is, whatever season you're walking through in life, there will be challenges along the way. How many of you can uh, say amen to that? There's always going to be challenges. Thirdly, seasons bring fresh starts. And you know, seasons bring change and, 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 and they bring challenges, but they also bring new opportunities. And they bring fresh starts. They bring second chances. And those are things we got to look for in the midst of it all. Week two, we were looking at Abraham and Lot. And we, three things we learned from that. One was our attitude can be critical to the journey. Our attitude is critical to the journey. Isn't that true? Our attitude can make us or break us wherever we're at. Secondly, we talked about how um, when we make choices based in desire rather than seeking God, things, won't, things will go wrong. They're, they're not going to go our way. When we base our, our decisions and our choice making in the, in the midst of new seasons, we base them out of our feelings and our emotions. Our, our, our feelings and emotions are fickle, aren't they? they? They lead us wrong all the time. We've got to seek God before making decisions. And third, last thing I mentioned was sometimes there has to be a separation to hear from the Lord. We talked about how it's important that we seek God. It's important that we hear his voice. But sometimes to do that, we have to separate from some things in our lives. It's keeping us from hearing his voice and allowing us to get that direction that we need. Um, last week... We talked we talk more about our church, how our church has entered a new season, about how Sean and I are now carrying the, the mantle of leadership. We have the responsibility for seeking God's vision for this church, this body of believers that we call Church of the Harvest, as I lose my mic. Sorry there. Um, and I talked last week about what do I see the purpose of Church of the Harvest being. And I said it was to make, to grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. As, as this body of believers, I want to make sure that in everything that we do, that we're making followers of Jesus, we're growing followers of Jesus, we're equipping followers of Jesus to do what God has called them to do in this life. And with that, I gave you three things. Um, I, I told you that there were three things. I gave you two last week. Three pillars that I want to be pillars of this church. As a matter of fact, these three things, I want everything that we do, every program that we offer, every time we come together, I want to make sure that it falls under and it supports these three points. Firstly, being discipleship. Jesus called us to all be disciples, right? What is a disciple? We said it's committed, advocate, supporter, follower of Jesus. We know that when Jesus called his disciples, they left everything that they knew. They dropped it, and they followed him. And we need more of that today. We need more of that. I need more of that in my own heart. Who else in here would agree? You need to seek God and be more of a disciple, more of a follower of Jesus. Talked about how no more bumper sticker Christianity. We want to see transformation and life change flowing out of this place. Because following Jesus is always life-altering. When Jesus goes somewhere, he never leaves things the same. That includes our own heart and our own lives. So we must be a church that builds disciples. I gave you a few things under that. I see Church of the Harvest as a place of encounter with God, a place of repentance, a place of freedom, growth, and the prosperous life, a place of stewardship, a place of discovery, a place of giving, and, and lastly, a place of reproducers, because disciples make disciples. 
which takes, took us to the second point last week the, that I mentioned was outreach, where we got to begin looking beyond ourselves. We got to look outside the walls of our compartmental lives. How many of you would agree that sometimes we can very much compartmentalize our life into this schedule and this routine and this way of thinking, and we have a hard time getting outside of that box? But if we're going to reach folks for Jesus, we're going to have to step outside of our compartmental lives. Uh, I think we're going to have to step outside. We're going to have to look at our responsibilities. We're going to have to step outside the four walls of, of the place we call our local church. And we're going to have to, we're going to, have to meet people where they're at with the love of Jesus. Um, the, so that was the last thing I mentioned was, was outreach. We've got to be filled with compassion like Jesus, meaning that we're moved to action. And we need to be a church that leaves its mark on our community for him. So I'm going to wrap up today. And I, I'm going to give you the, the last point. So really, this point is number two, uh, but because this was Small Group Sunday, I, uh, I left it for today. So really, it's discipleship. Really, today, the second point is, and you can write it in your notes, second point is community. Community. And then outreach. Community is huge. And I believe that over the last, I don't know, Probably, it's probably really been going the last hundred years. This has been a failing of the church, especially in the United States. We have lost community. What is community? As always, I looked it up. Community is it's a unified body of believers, people with common interests living in a particular area, friendship between different people or groups, or having a sense, a sense of having something in common. How many of you know the church, the body of Christ, is to be a community? How many of you would agree that the church in America has lost that sense of community? There's so much division right now. But what really grieves me is there's so much division in the church. There's so much division between different bodies of believers. There's so much division between different denominations and, and you know, people's different views. We've got to get back to community. Why do we need community? That's what I want to talk about for a minute. I think one of the best examples of community that we find is in Acts chapter 2. It describes the, really, the first days and weeks and months of the early church. And, you know, if we set this up for a minute, I know y'all are familiar with this, but leading up to this point, Jesus had just accomplished what he came to do. He had died. He was resurrected, right? And when he comes to that point where he's with, with his followers, and he tells them to go into the, all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, right? And he ascends into heaven. I was thinking about that the other day. Can you imagine the disciples in that moment as they see Jesus disappear into the clouds? He just left all the responsibility for them. Oh, here you go. I started it. It's yours. I couldn't imagine what that moment may have been like. As the disciples are probably looking at each other and going, what do we do now? <laughs> We're, uh, you know, what, what do we do? What's this going to look like? I can't imagine they even had an idea of what this would look like. So you get on into Acts chapter 2, and we see the followers of Jesus. They come together. They do what Jesus told them. They wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit, and we see him come like a mighty rushing wind. Tongues of fire, the whole bit, right? And they step outside, you see this brief first sermon that Peter delivers, and it tells us that 
3,000 people raise their hand. Yes, I want to receive Jesus. Now they've really got to get it together. Overnight, they've got 3,000 people to disciple. We see that they, they didn't just bring them to Christ, they, they baptized them. Look back a few verses. And now they've got the job to disciple these people like Jesus did with them. And I can just imagine, I, I just wonder what, they, what their outlook was, how they looked at this. I mean, they had to be rejoicing that 3,000 people received Christ, but there was the, so few of them. I probably wouldn't pray and, oh, wow, thank you, Lord. Could we have possibly started with 30? But they had 3,000 in just a moment. And that's where we see it takes up the very next scripture in Acts 2.41. Actually, it's Acts 2.41 that tells us the 3,000 came to Christ and were baptized. And then we go to the very next scripture. I mean, they, they, this thing didn't go slow. They were at a full gallop right out the gate, right? And so in Acts 2.42, and I'm actually going to read to you. I, most of you probably don't have this version with you right now, but I, I've been reading quite a bit out of the Passion Translation, that, the new version that just came out. That's what I want to read to you from this morning. It says, every believer, everybody say every believer, believer. was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to Christ. Other versions say those who were saved. Can you guys see... The common thread here. This was, this was the birth of the early church. This is what it looked like. And the church was exploding. People were coming to Christ every day and joining this community and doing these things. Now, I was, again, I like to imagine the setting and, and what was going on in these moments. If we think for a minute about this moment, we read this and what this looked like as, I, I believe the disciples, they were seeking God. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were being led by the Spirit, and they were trying to figure this thing out. Lord, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? What is this going to look like? How do we handle these situations? We see that they formed a council, and they came together, and they're going, my goodness, we're spending all of our time doing this. Let's appoint people. And so they get, they're appointing people to help feed the poor and take care of the widows and the orphans and all these things. It, it, it was growing so quickly. Understand that this culture and most cultures of the world during that time were absolutely community-minded, right? I mean, they were, they were, they were so community-focused. They lived in very tight-knit groups. Several generations of family would live together under one roof, wouldn't they? Many of the cities were walled to protect from the outside, it was a community. They were tight-knit. Many people groups depended on other people groups for survival. It was community. And really, they didn't have much of a choice. 
They depended on community. The church was brand new, and we see throughout the New Testament that they were praying and trying to trying different things and, and figuring this whole thing out. And on top of all that, these new believers, these followers of Jesus, started very, very quickly coming under intense persecution. Some of us think that we've experienced persecution. We hadn't experienced anything compared to what these folks were walking through. And, you know, the thing with persecution, it's, it's funny because stats tell us right now that the, fasting growing, the fastest growing Christian communities in the world today are in areas where there's persecution. And the church has gone underground. Isn't that amazing that we've got a church on every corner and the church in our nation has stagnated? All the stats show it. But the places where it's really hard to be a follower of Jesus, they're exploding. They're meeting in places where they're in hiding. They're truly meeting in each other's homes. They couldn't possibly go anywhere else. Isn't it amazing the difference? The fastest growing churches, the fastest growing Christian communities in America, or I'm sorry, in the world right now, they say are in, um, two of the fastest are China and Iran. I saw, uh, I don't know if y'all saw it, but there was a news story last month um, that China's, what they believe was China's largest underground church in December was raided. Communist officials went in and, and seized Bibles and any Christian materials. They even took everybody's cell phones and forbade them from coming together as the church. Guys, we have no idea. That was last month. Last month. My point is that in times throughout history when we see the church growing the most, like we see in these early days of the church, community was at the heart of it all. The church was unified. They were meeting together regularly. Let's look at it one more time. I wanted to, I wanted to look at it one more time. I want you to, as we're talking about this, I want you to, I want you to get a picture of it. I don't know if y'all can read that. There we go. Out of generosity, they sold, nope, I want to go back further. Verse 42, every believer was faithfully devoted. This is being a disciple, right? Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body. Y'all see this? They shared with one another whatever need, whatever need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises of God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord kept adding their number daily, those who were coming to life. That's that whole outreach portion we've been talking about. That's what I see in this passage. I see those pillars of discipleship. An outreach, the common thread through all of it, is community. Even discipleship and outreach that we talked about last week, you realize that community brings it all together? They made time for one another. They didn't forsake assembling together. They were in unity. They were of one heart. They were of one voice. Doesn't sound a whole lot about like the church in America today, does it? It's so interesting that we've got it so good. We've got it so easy. And in the midst of all that, the church can stagnate. 
And I believe it's because we've lost community. The theme of community in the church really was pretty prominent until the middle of the last century. You know, you go over to Europe and some of these places, you know, where, where the church is really old. And you see these old towns, these old, these old towns that are, you know, hundreds of years old. And in the center of every town, there was a church. Because the church was the center of the community. And here we are, we find ourselves in 2019. And they say that people are forsaking the church in America like never before, are walking away. I believe that one of the biggest reasons is that we've lost community. Why do we need community? Firstly, I, I hope you guys can agree with this, but it's the way God made us. Some people say, well, that's just not the way I'm wired. I just don't like people. No, this is the way God made us. God made us for community. We see it from the very beginning. When God created Adam, we see community between God and Adam. They were walking daily together in the cool of the day, in the garden. Wouldn't it be interesting to have been able to hear a little bit of those conversations as they would just walk together and talk? We see that we come to the point, I mean, could you imagine being Adam and being the only human being on the face of the earth? God knew this was an issue. In Genesis 2.18, he formed Eve, and then he commanded them to reproduce. God is about community, right? God placed a desire, not even a desire, God placed a need within each of us for community, for each other. And we see it from the time that we're very small, when we're very young. You see it in kids, right? They all want a friend. They all want acceptance. They want recognition. They want love. That's not something we have to teach them. We've got to teach them to do right, but we don't have to teach them to make friends and to, and to you know, want to have fun with others. We don't have to teach them to want love because they were wired before they were in their mother's womb for community. Only a very wounded person can deny this, and even then they're still lying to themselves. I was thinking, unfortunately, our society today, our culture, has made it cool to be a loner. We see him in movies and different things, and we're like, wow, he's so cool, as he rides off into the sunset by himself, right? Wow, so cool, so cool. Doesn't need anybody, right? Doesn't need anybody. Going it alone, answering to no one. Know the biggest disadvantage to being a loner? You're lonely. It's in the name. It's not cool. Usually it's a wounded person. We weren't created to live that way. I got a picture of this. I was thinking it would be like if you were the coolest car that was ever made. Awesome car. Awesome car. Fastest on the road. Cool car. And for your entire existence, you stayed under a tarp in a garage. Yeah, you're so cool. Woo! Ah, never to be seen by human eyes. So cool. But never living up to your potential. Never making a difference of any kind. Because you're living under a tarp. You're a loner. 
It goes against the very essence of our creation and what it means to be human being, much less to be a follower of Christ. We've lost community. Ephesians 4, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes 4, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12 from the New Living Bible. You guys know this. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. How many of you have had a pivotal moment in your life at some point where it took somebody else coming along and giving you a helping hand for you to be successful and to move forward from the point where you were at? You can look back and you can see that influential person in your life that was there in the right moment and made a difference. Why? Because two are better than one. If one person falls, they can reach out and help. But if someone falls alone, he's in real trouble. Isn't that true? That's why we hit, see people walk away from relationships and they hit rock bottom. And they've got no one to call on. And they find themselves in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I was thinking about this, and as I was picturing our society in the U.S. today and our culture, I looked up a few things. I looked up a few stats um, online, and... In 2017, it was estimated that there were 7.55 billion people in the world. The greatest number they believe that has ever existed on the face of the earth. But I believe more people feel lonely and alone than ever before in the history of the earth. There's more people. We've, there's nowhere undiscovered on the earth except maybe the bottoms of the oceans. We've hit every piece of land. We've covered the face of the earth. More people living than ever before. And people feel more separated alone than ever before. See, all, none of that makes any sense. Because we have to want community. We have to pursue community. I was looking at the United States uh, suicide rates. You know between 1999 and 2014, do you know the suicide rates in the U.S. increased by 24%? And then, look at that. I, I couldn't find 2015. But... You see the pattern here? More people living than ever before. The world more connected than it's ever been. And more people hopeless and alone taking their own lives than ever before. People feel lonely alone. And I mean, what caused this? Man, we could point to so many things. But I think much of it is selfishness. Much of it is busyness. Our technology that seems to bring us closer together, but so many people now, especially young people, can't even talk face-to-face -face anymore. I was thinking about that. When I was young, I'd never heard of social anxiety. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. I can't be around people. No, no, no condemnation if you deal with social anxiety, but we'll pray for you <laughs> because we need each other, right? The world's bigger than it's ever been. But so much of the population is dealing with this social anxiety thing. Has it affected the body of Christ? Lord Jesus, has it ever? I believe it stunted our growth. It's brought us to an impasse. Something's going to have to break. Something's going to have to change. It's 
probably, I believe, it's probably one of the most successful assaults on the church in all of history. If you can just imagine the enemy saying, all right, let's just start disconnecting these Christians from each other. Let's break down trust. Let's convince people that they don't need each other. Let's make it cool to go it alone. I believe it's causing indescribable destruction within the body of Christ. Like I said, people are disconnecting faster than ever before. You know, I talked last week, you may remember how I talked about, you know, this next generation, how they're leaving the church in droves. And I mentioned that I believe part of it is that, you know, part of it is they've seen some hypocrisy. They've seen some of the church, you know, talking the talk, yelling it loud. The Bible says don't do that. But then they don't see actual believers walking out the actual talk. They don't see the difference between the world and the church. And so they say, well, then what's the point? I believe the other, one of the other major reasons is, is, again, I believe it's community. It's within each of us to find a place where we fit in and we're accepted, a place where we feel like we can contribute and make a difference. Every one of us want that. People, human beings want a cause. They want something to buy into. And somehow this next generation's not given the church the first thought in this. Why is that? I think much of it is because we've lost community. The body of believers that we call Church of the Harvest, we must be a place of community, a place of love, a place of acceptance, a family that loves each other, loves others, loves the body of Christ, has its arms open wide. How do we get to this place? Well, you may have noticed this has been something that, you know, as a staff, we've been recognizing, you know, for a while. You may have noticed over the last year or so, we've tried to have, we've tried to have more events to get folks together and just have a good time and enjoy each other's company and, you know, and different things like that. And, and we'll, we'll continue doing this, but the reality is we've each got to buy into the importance of it. We've got to recognize, kind of like I was talking about, about discipleship last week, how it's got to be a pillar of our church to make disciples. But here's the thing. We can, come up with, we can come up with a thousand different programs to make disciples. But if we don't decide that it's important in our lives and jump in and go after it, it's not going to make a lick of difference. And it's the same thing with community. We can provide all these opportunities for the church to get together and to have a good time and get to know each other and love on each other and all these things. But if you won't come, it's not going to make any difference for you whatsoever. And I'll, I'll say this. There's, there's a lot of folks that call Church of the Harvest their home. They don't come to these events. Don't, don't come to these things. Don't see the importance of it because maybe there's not a worship team on the stage or a sermon being preached. Guys, it's vitally important. Every time we gather together in community in the name of Jesus, it's a worship. It's what God intended. And I would invite you to, to buy in and begin building community, community with others. Maybe we need to stop staring at our phones and actually interact with somebody. Maybe instead of binge watching Netflix, we ought to actually ask somebody over for dinner. Maybe we need to stop making excuses and begin gathering, begin gathering together with other believers, with our church family, 
with others in the body of Christ on a more regular basis, I guarantee you it'll make a huge difference. It'll make a huge difference. And here's the thing with community. If we really have the desire to build community, we can't look at this like we normally do with things in the world. We can't look at this for what we're going to get out of it. Isn't it true that many, if not most things in life, we weigh it out by trying to figure out what we get out of it? And if we don't see something that it really benefits us, a lot of times we shy away from it. Guys, building community is not just about us. It's about building others, especially as a believer. It's about building others up and encouraging them. Like I said a few minutes ago, there's been times in your life when you needed somebody and they were there for you. And I guarantee you, there's people in your life right now that need you. If you can get away from the compartment of life for just a few minutes and look around, there's people at God's place in your path that are only going to be able to move forward because you stepped out of your comfort zone for a minute, because you got away from your schedule and your agenda for just a second, because you stepped outside of yourself. Galatians 6.2 tells us, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And the Passion Translation says, I love this, love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. We're commanded to carry each other's burdens, each other's troubles. Like I say, there's been those who've done it for us. Jesus most certainly did. Who are you come alongside? Who are you coming alongside in life right now that you're helping them out, that you're helping bear their burdens? There's people in our lives right now that need us. There's people that need us to listen, people that need some of the wisdom and the experience that we've gained up to this point in our lives. People that may just need our smile or our support or our encouragement, they need you and their community. As this body of believers, we need you to build this community. Y'all know Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I read something the other day, and um, there wasn't room to put this on the note sheet, but um, I did put it on the, on the Bible app, I believe. But this was something I just, I'd read. I, I read articles and stuff, and I save them, and, and I, I, I store them so that I can go back and look at them later. I got this one. It's called Top 10 Reasons You Need Christian Community, and this comes from iBelieve.com. Um, they gave 10 things, 10 reasons you need community. Number 10, they said, you can see more clearly. It may look like everyone else has it all figured out, and you're the only one who's struggling with this whole faith thing. But when you become part of a community, you, say, you see that we are that we are all sinners saved by grace. Number nine, you have built-in cheerleaders. When we feel comfortable enough to let our walls down a little, we'll realize that those people whom we were afraid of letting in can be our biggest encouragers in the faith. They can lift us up and propel us forward. Number eight, there is strength in numbers. When we come together as a community in prayer or in purpose, we are so much stronger than we could ever be alone. Communities can rally together and accomplish so much. Number seven, burdens become lighter. When you have a community of people that you can be open and honest with, those things that you've been carrying alone can be shared. We all have things that weigh us down. Just sharing your burdens lessens the load. Number six, when you have someone, you have someone who understands. As Christians living in today's day and age, you face some unique challenges. Having, having a community means that you have someone who understands the things you are dealing with and the struggles that you face 
in living a faith-filled life. Number five, you always have a teacher. thought this was so good. There will always be someone who's a little further along in his or her Christian walk than you are. Engaging in a community means there's an opportunity for you to be around people who you can look to as mentors. The potential for your growth is unlimited. Number four, you will always have a student. Just like there will always be someone ahead of you, there's most likely going to be someone behind you. Being a part of community means you have the chance to help someone become stronger in his or her walk with the Lord. Number three, you're able to serve. A community is a great place for you to see the need and meet a need. It allows you to cultivate a servant's heart like the one Jesus had. Members of a community help and support one another. Number two, you get to give and receive grace and mercy. Even the best community is made up of imperfect humans. As a part of a community, you have the blessing of being able to be the recipient of grace and mercy as others love you in spite of your flaws. You also have the blessing of giving that grace and mercy to others. Number one, you get to experience a taste of heaven on earth. In heaven, all believers will be one glorious community with the sole purpose of praising Jesus. Having community believers with that purpose lets you experience a little of that in the here and now. How many of you agree with that? Community is vitally important. And Church of the Harvest is and will be a place of community. Got to understand, and I, I thought about this the other day, understand that Church of the Harvest is simply a small group in the church. Does this make sense? There is a community of believers that covers this globe. We're a small group in that community of believers. We got to understand that with our church just being a part of the larger community of believers, we're not any better than any other community of believers. We don't have it all figured out. Everybody agree with that? It's so funny. We can so quickly look at another church and be like, oh, I don't agree with that. I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they believe that. Do they believe that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life? If they do, I can grab hands with them and I can walk. They're part of the body of Christ. We're part of the body of Christ. They're a small group in the body of Christ. We're a small group in the body of Christ. We're all believers and part of the family together. We're all the Christian community. As you guys know, actually, let me say this first. Some of you have told me how much you've enjoyed us getting together with City Church and Spirit Church and doing some of those events together. You guys, be at that unity service that we're doing. I'm so excited to get together. I mean, how awesome is that? You don't see it often where other churches are coming together and worshiping the Lord together. And, you know, this, we started this last year at Spirit Church, and it was um, both years. It was intended to be on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, but dates, you try and get dates together for three churches. That never works out quite right. It gets moved further and further out. And so um, that's why, you know, we're a few weeks, uh, we're a few weeks out from it. But, um, but guys, this is powerful. And uh, I mean, we, we were, three of us were sitting together talking at lunch the other day and, and, and um, I mean, just talking about our relationship over the last couple of years and, and uh, it, it was just really something to talk about what we'd done and, and where we were going and how our, knit, our hearts were knit together 
recognize and we're all one family. What an example that is, uh, not just to our churches and our church families, but to the community at large. And uh, I encourage you guys to be there, part of that. And uh, we're going to do a couple things after that, two months. We're going to do something basically every two months after that. So we've got that. Two months later, we're going to do a joint um, Good Friday service in the park over at Olive Branch City Park in April. Um, in June, we're going um, to do that breakfast again. I know that the men uh, we, that we've done the last two years uh, with them. Um, in um, August, um, we're, they asked. They, they've heard about our adult game nights. How many of you have loved our adult game nights that we've done? Pastor Troy and Pastor Ray, we were sitting at lunch, and they both said, hey, we keep hearing about these, these adult game nights y'all do. Looks awesome. Can we invite ourselves? And I was like, <laughs> I was like let's do it. And so, uh, and so in August, we're going to have a game, uh, uh, a Spirit Harvest City game night, and we're going to do it right here, and uh, it's going to be really cool. And then in September, they, uh, we're actually going to do a, um, a family camp out. And uh, we're going to do a Friday night camp out. Everybody comes and brings their family, and all three churches come together. And uh, it, it's really, it's going to be pretty awesome. But guys, community is so important. And it can't be locked into these four walls. But in this, like I say, being small group Sunday, um, this is your opportunity to get plugged into a smaller group within Church of the Harvest. And guys, we believe that this is very important because here's the reality you showing up here on Sunday morning getting to sing four songs and hear a message that is not enough you cannot get discipled you cannot grow in your Christian faith because you simply come into a church on Sunday morning we recognize that that's why this time of us gathering together is very important, but we've got to put a lot more emphasis on small groups. We've got to come together in community because that is the place where we can truly be transparent, we can contribute, we can share, we can receive, we can be a blessing. That's our place. Before I introduce our small groups, I'm going to do in just a second, um, I want to make I want to make a little change, and this is something I've just been, been feeling for a little while. We've been talking about community today, and hopefully this is casting a little bit of a vision in discipleship, community, outreach. Hopefully this is for, talking about community. You're seeing a little bit more. But I want to, I want to today, I want to rename our small groups. And from this day forward, I want to call them community groups. Because I want everybody to have, I, I want your vision and your view of what a small group is to change. Small groups are nothing new. They've been around for a long time. Doesn't necessarily mean our format's going to change and such. But I want you to see it every time you think of your community group, I want you to think of it as a place of community. I want you to think of it as a place where you're not trying to get something out of it. You're there to give. You're there to invest in others. I want you to begin to think of your community group as a place where anybody is welcome. It's not exclusive. It's not a clique where you can invite friends and family, coworkers, even friends from other churches without them feeling like you're trying to steal them to your church. I want our community groups to be a place where 
everybody can see that we've got our arms open wide. We're building community with each other, and we're reaching out into our community. Does this make sense? So this week, our community groups for the spring began. Guys, I want every one of you, especially if you're a member of Harvest, I implore you, be a part of a community group. It's very important. To some of us, it doesn't feel natural. Some of us, it's uncomfortable. I'm telling you, you need to join a community group. Please. Most of them will meet um, once every week or so. I encourage you to rearrange your schedule. Rearrange your priorities for this. It's important. I believe it's a key to growth in your life and in the church at large. And it's what you were created for. So join a community group. With that, I want to... Yeah, I knew I wasn't going to be short enough. Um, I want to introduce uh, our, our small group leaders right quick um, for, this, uh, for this semester. Firstly, obviously, I want to thank Zach and Angie Davis uh, for heading up and <laughs> heading up the, uh, the oversight and the organization of the community groups uh, in that, and, and we definitely appreciate them. And the people I'm about to, listen, the people we're about to introduce are people in our church family who have recognized the importance of community. So much so that they are giving up their time and usually even their resources to make this happen. So let's all join in and let's be part of it. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going uh, to call you out and I'm going to bring the mic to you. And uh, if all of our small group, community group leaders, if you would stand up right where you're at. And um, we'll just kind of we'll go from there. What I want you to do, just um, tell us your name, um, what your group is, who it's primarily for, and kind of the theme. And um, 30 seconds, please. Okay. So uh, first, I wanted to introduce Zach and Angie with, the, with their groups. 30 minutes. Thank you. So, morning, everyone. So I'm Zach, and this is Angie Davis. And we have two community groups that come out of our house, and the theme is community. And a miracle happens every week. I do not talk the whole time, so. <laughs> what, 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 group, what groups are they? Okay, well, we have one on Sunday at four, and sometimes we have 30 people, including children, and then twice a month, uh, we have young adults, so 20-year-olds, and that's at 7.30, first and third Thursday of the month. So young adult treatment, one that's dedicated to building community. So it's good. Y'all give them a hand. <laughs> Christian and Becca minus Christian. Oh, he's ushering. Oh. <laughs> All right. Hey, um, so Christian and I are the youth pastors at the church. So our community group is for um, junior high and high schoolers. So age sixth grade through 12th grade. Um, vertical youth, we do it at our house every Wednesday from... 6.30 to 8.30. Our Sunday and Wednesday times are different. So, um, And we're getting ready to um, start a focus on um, just kind of why we believe what we believe in doing some apologetics and things like that. So, Good. And you did mention Sunday night, right? Sunday night youth service, uh, 6 to 8 p.m. 
right here in the sanctuary. All right. Mr. Robert, Miss April. All right. We actually have two small groups, or two community groups. Uh, first one is Evangelism Equipping. Uh, it meets every Saturday, starting at 530 in the Fellowship Hall right back here. Uh, if you want to learn how to, to present the gospel to people and uh, just the people around you and just, uh, just an ordinary way of just uh, sharing life with people and finding out God will open doors for you just to step out and do that. I'd encourage you to come join us, and uh, we'll all grow together and share testimonies and see, see uh, how many people God brings in his kingdom uh, from each one of us. It's kinda, evangelism is kind of like a wildfire. Once you start out with a little spark, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. So I'd encourage you. Um, the second one we're doing is called Biblical Foundations. Uh, it's just building a strong foundation in people's lives, a biblical foundation that meets every, every Thursday. It's actually at my friend Shane and Haley's house uh, on Bahia Road. The address is on a piece of paper you got. Um, but what it is, it's going through a book called the Purple Book. It gives you 12 different topics and five different lessons for each topic. You just go through, apply it to your life. We go through and talk about it each week and see uh, how God uses that to grow in your life. All right. And guys, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'll, I'll tell you something, talking about their, um, their Biblical Foundations group. Um, for Actually, for the last year, Sean and, I have been, Sean and I have been talking about the need for this, but Sean and I have been talking about maybe, maybe we need to do it. Maybe we need to start a Foundations class just to go through the basic fundamentals of the Word. What do we believe? What does the Bible say the fundamentals of the faith are and, and that kind of thing? And it, it was so funny. We just talked about it a couple weeks ago, and then um, Robert called me like the next day and said, I feel like the Lord's leading me to start a group on Biblical Foundations. And I was like praise the Lord. Awesome. So if that's you and you need that biblical foundation, those biblical foundations of the word, then I encourage you to, uh, to jump in and join, uh, join their group. Let me come over here to the ladies right quick. We'll start with uh, Miss Kim and, and Miss Laura. Okay. I'm Kim Guyton and I um, co-lead with Laura Zapala. We do a Harvest Women's Group. Uh, this year we will be doing 12 Women of the Bible, and we meet on Wednesdays at 10 o'clock to 11.30 at Chris Bounds' house. We will not have um, child care this year, but we'll still have morning breakfast, brunch. That's good. All right. And I'm Laura Sapala, and I'm co-leading. So. All right. Thanks, y'all. Let me hit Miss Marilyn here. Yes, I'm Marilyn Griganti, and I'll be having a women's group at my house. 10 o'clock on Mondays, and we're going to do uh, right now media video series on the Gospel of Mark with Francis Chan. Mm, awesome. Awesome. And hopefully y'all will follow along. You got a sheet that was in your service guide that has all these listed. Just follow along on there. Miss Chris? Hi, I'm Chris Bounds, and I lead a women's group. We meet on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock at my house in Olive Branch. And this semester, we're going to study... Um, more Than Words by Robert Morris, and it's getting you into more. The Bible is more than words. It's going to be great. All right. Thank you. Sorry, I'm not just skipping, y'all. I, I just got to go in order. I'm going to forget somebody. <laughs> Matt? My name is Matthew Levin. I lead the men's community group on Tuesday nights at my house uh, from 7 to when everybody's gone. This year, we're going to be doing... Um, the Heart of a Warrior by Michael Thomas. All right. That's good. I keep hearing about that book. That's one of my next ones I've got down to read. I've heard it's really good. Um, okay, Aunt Barbara, you're next. 
Hi, my name is Barbara Nowlin, and I lead the two-year Bible college here at Harvest. Um, we <laughs> That's the students, yay. <laughs> we start with the new creation reality that occurs when you're born again, and then we go in-depth into prayer, faith, healing, Christian character, which is very important, um, and then on through to ministry. Um, you are, we meet on Tuesday evenings in the fellowship hall. You're very welcome to come and audit these classes. And then there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer. We have a new school starting in August. And um, this class now will be getting ready to graduate in June. So I'd like to go ahead and invite all of you to that. And um, I think that's it. All right. Thank you. Miss Jo. Morning. Our community group is Healing School. Healing, healing, healing. <laughs> it's always God's will for you to be healed. And so if you want to learn how, you want to learn some basics, you want to learn some advanced things, just come to Healing School. We meet in the prayer room. Um, every other Tuesday, we are not beginning till February the 19th, but it'll be every other Tuesday morning from 11 to 12.30. And Jesus always comes to Healing School. We have had some miraculous things happen. Amen. So come and hear and be healed. Thank All you. right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, brother. Sorry to leave you up there. I'm Jerry Branch, and my community group is Prayer and Intercession, and we pray, intercede for the pastor, for our country, our nation, leadership, However the Holy Spirit leads us, we meet every Sunday morning from 8.45 to 9.30. And beginning next week, we're going to be meeting in the uh, toddler's room, which is the room right next to the prayer room, have the music playing. And so uh, our topic is developing community in prayer. So right. I encourage you to come. Good. All right, so folks, this is your opportunity to build community, your opportunity to build community, um, to uh, join in the discussion, to invest in others, to receive. This is your opportunity. There are sign-up sheets in the lobby, and these leaders that we just introduced will be out there as service concludes. They'll be out there to talk to you, so go talk to them. Ask questions, and we've got a wide variety alike this time. I'm, you know, it's, it's very diverse, and so maybe it's something you're interested in. Maybe it's something you feel like you need. Maybe it's something that you just um, you have a drive for inside. Join one, of these, join one of these community groups. Jump in. Become a part of it. Jump in with both feet. And, you know, obviously I want you guys um, here on Sunday mornings, but the very next important thing to me is that you are part of a, of a community group. It will, it will infuse you with life and, and take you to the next level. So that's what I'm going to conclude with. The three things, the three pillars that I want the church to be centered around as we move forward. Making disciples, building community, and reaching out in community to the, those around us. How many of you can agree? Over the next, over this upcoming year, we'll, I want to be making these things a focus. I want to, I want to reevaluate. I want to look at everything that we do, every program that we offer, every time we gather together, are we doing these things? Is it allowing us to make disciples, to build community, to reach out, 
to those around us. Um, as I have concluded with each time, I believe that God has big plans for this body of believers. He has big plans for Church of the Harvest, bigger than we could ever think or ask or imagine. And as I've said each week, um, the, staff here, the staff here can't do it. We can't do it all. It's very limited in what we can accomplish, just a few of us by ourselves. But guys, just because I stand on the stage or somebody leads songs, that doesn't make them any greater in this body of believers than you. It's just a different role. You have a role to play as well. So jump in with both feet. Jump in and build community. Jump in and be a part. Be part of the difference. Amen? We want to see a shift in the body of Christ. Begin being that change. It starts with us. I'm about to bust out into some Michael Jackson. Yeah, sorry. Be the change. Sorry. That is not your cue. No. We're only just getting started, folks, and our best days are ahead. So let's march forward. Amen. Let me get the worship team to come up. Y'all stand up on your feet with us. Let's bow our heads. I want to end like we always do. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. If you're here, you've been hearing this message on community. You've been hearing this message about the church, but you really recognize that you don't have community with God yet. You recognize that you don't have that relationship with them. You recognize that your life isn't surrendered to Jesus. You're living the way that you want to live. Jesus isn't shining through you. Your priorities aren't right. I would say this is your day to make a change. Step in, decide, set your will. Things are going to change from this day forward. I'm going to put Jesus Christ as first in my life. I'm going to quit living for myself and my desires, my dreams, and I'm going to live for him. Everything I do is going to be worship to him and it's going to build his kingdom. If with every head bowed, if that's you and you would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today, lift your hand real quick and, and, and let me see. Who would say, I need, to, I need to surrender my life fresh and new to Jesus? There's a couple of them. How many, who, anybody else would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today? We're going to pray a prayer together. As I always say, it's not about the prayer. You just got to mean this with all your heart. You're willing and ready to walk away from what you know. You're willing to walk away from your dreams, your desires, your way of doing things, and you're ready to follow Jesus, whatever the cost. He laid his life down for you. Are you ready to do the same for him? To say, Jesus, I give you everything. Let's pray this together. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your love. You built us for community. And you took the first step. You built us that way from the beginning. But Lord, we ruined it. We sinned. We tried to do things our own way. We went off on our own. We damaged that relationship. But I thank you that that wasn't the end of the story. You sent your son Jesus because you valued me so much. You valued our relationship so much. You wanted community with me to such a degree that you sent your son to die in my place. So today, Jesus, I call you Lord of my life. I believe that you died 
and you rose from the dead and now you sit at the side at the right hand of the father as my advocate as my high priest you washed me clean with your blood i surrender to you holy spirit fill me empower me to be everything you've called me to be i will follow you all the days of my life from this day forward use me lord to make a difference in the lives of others in jesus name everybody said amen y'all give the lord a shout of praise this morning If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.